following radio programs are original broadcasts. While enhancements have been made to the audio for clarity and listener enjoyment, no other edits or modifications have been made. The listener may hear advertisements and notices for tobacco products, alcohol, food, and or services that may no longer be available, nor are they endorsed by whose blind life is it anyway. Listener discretion is advised. Hello everybody, good Sunday afternoon. This is Monica Jones, your host for arts. Welcome to the Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday. And um, I hope I've got a lot of good stuff lined up for you. So I hope you'll sit back and and uh, enjoy the show and give us comments, feedback. Um, <clears throat> if you want to try to find us, course I'm going to assume that if you're listening you found us <laughs> but <laughs> yeah Victor my cohort I mean my co-host he makes me do this every week but I do um, not and he doesn't even give me a hamburger you can reach us on Facebook whose blind life is it anyway um and um just you know like us um subscribe um hit your notification button and um, then you should be notified every time we come on the air and um, you can find us on Twitter at Blind Who's that's B-L-I-N-D W-H-O-S-E or you can email us at Who's Blind Life Is It Anyway at gmail.com and that's Who's W-H-O-S-E so you can find us on any podcast catcher, Spotify, Apple, uh, Anchor, um, QCast, anywhere that you can find podcasts, you can you can find us. Last week, I had a request for the Bickersons, and uh, that's a real funny um, old-time radio show. It's a comedy. I'm doing family comedies again this week because uh, I didn't get to do the Bickersons last weekend. But anyway, this is a nice little show. So anyway, uh, this first one is called Second Honeymoon. So kick back and enjoy. Now here are Don Amici and Francis Langford as John and Blanche Bickerson in The Honeymoon Is Over. Like most married women, Blanche Bickerson is a romanticist. Having talked poor husband John into taking her on a second honeymoon, three o'clock in the morning finds Mrs. Bickerson in the lobby of a small hotel at Niagara Falls. Exhausted and bleary-eyed from the long drive, John Bickerson unloads the luggage outside as his wide-awake wife talks to the night clerk. Listen. It doesn't really matter about the room as long as we have a nice view of the falls. Yes, ma'am. I'll bet you don't remember me. No, ma'am. Well, I wouldn't expect you to with all the honeymoon couples you meet. I was here seven years ago. Is that so? Yes. Well, better luck this time. <laughs> oh, we're still married to each other. We're just having a second honeymoon. Do many people do that? No, ma'am. I wonder why. I wouldn't know, ma'am. Are you married? No, ma'am. Arthritis makes me walk like this. 
Would you please sign a register, ma'am? Oh, I'm sorry. Last time we were here, we had to wait two days for a room. We stayed in a motel in Buffalo. Here you are. Thank you. Is that Bickerson? Yes. Did I sign it right? Yes, ma'am. Mrs. John Bickerson and husband. <laughs> Here's the key, room 318. There's the automatic elevator over there. We don't have any bellboys at night. Oh, that's all right. I'll go out to the car and get my husband. John! Where is he? He's not in the car. I wonder if he took the luggage out of the trunk compartment. <laughs> You've got a room. Good. Where are you going to sleep? Come on, John. Stop dragging your feet. Drove 2,000 miles for a second honeymoon. Lead me to my room. You had to talk like that in front of the clerk. Oh, let me sleep, will you, Blanche? I just left to go one place with you that you didn't embarrass and humiliate me. You've been unbearable since we left home. Keep going. In here? Yes. Pull the bags in so I can close the door. No windows, no nothing. How much do they get for this broken down room? This is the elevator. Oh. the button or something and get it started. I can't keep my eyes open another minute. I was afraid this would happen. I hoped that going on a second honeymoon would bring us closer together. Can't get closer than this. <laughs> Unless you throw the luggage out. Every time I want you to be romantic, you're so distant, John. What is it that's keeping us apart? The brown suitcase. <laughs> what floor are we on? I'm sleepy. You're always sleepy. When you're not sleepy, you're humiliating me. I'll never be able to face that night clerk in the morning. You won't have to. Why not? There'll be a day clerk. <laughs> Which way is the room? I don't know, and I don't care. I'm going to stay in the elevator. Oh, come on. Will you, Blanche? Well, say you're sorry. I'm sorry. Now, where's our room? Right in front of you, 318. Well, open the door before I collapse. Oh, thank heaven. I got to get some sleep. Well, put the lights on. Don't stumble around in the dark. Don't want to open my eyes. Just aim me at the bed and give me a shout. <laughs> I'm not going to let you sleep until you undress properly and unpack the luggage. Oh, Blanche, why did you have to bring so much stuff? You've got as much stuff as I have. I have not. All I brought was my toothbrush and my overnight bottle. <laughs> you and that bourbon. You wouldn't take five steps away from home without it. Well, I still remember what happened when we got snowbound in that cabin. It wasn't so terrible. Oh, not much. I had to live for two weeks on nothing but food and water. <laughs> Don't throw my things around like that. There's no closet. Where shall I put these dresses? In the drawers. Where do you want these drawers? In the dresser. <laughs> Hold up your pants neatly and put them under the mattress. Okay. Well, take them off first, John. Oh, I was to think you'd change. This is second honeymoon was just as big a mistake as our first one. Oh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I'm so sorry you made me go on this trip. I could die. I made you go. You shanghaied me. Even tried to get me to marry you again. Was that such an unreasonable request? Yes, it isn't legal. 
Why not? A man can't be punished twice for the same crime. <laughs> oh, that's too bad about you. How oh, you shamed me in front of all my friends after I sent the invitations out, too. Well, I wasn't going to have any formal wedding and put out a lot of dough to feed your hungry friends and their squalling brats. There wouldn't have been any brats there at all. How do you know? Because it said plainly on the invitation, Mr. and Mrs. John Bickerson will be married March 9th. No children expected. Put out the lights. I'm never going back to that horrible apartment we live in. I'm going to sit here and stare at the falls forever. Wouldn't hurt you to look at them, either. I see them every day on a shredded wheat box. <laughs> How can you be so cynical? I'm glad I have a little romance in my soul. Just the sight of those falls bring back memories. No. Sit up, John. Look at that cascade. Doesn't it remind you of something? Yeah. What, John? I think I left the water running in the bathtub. <laughs> John, you didn't. Okay, I didn't. Good night, Blanche. I never should have trusted you to lock up. Now I'm really worried. Did you close all the windows? Close the windows. You didn't leave any lights burning, did you? Mm. Did you leave food for the cat? That's enough for a week. What did you leave him? A six-pound tin of corned beef. <laughs> did you empty it into a plate? No. Well, how do you expect the cat to eat it? I left the can opener on top. <laughs> Stop worrying about that cat. We should have taken all the animals with us. Poor little canaries locked in the cage. Cat can't get out of the house, and who's going to feed the goldfish? I'll bet they're terribly unhappy. Oh, they're not unhappy. They're having a fine vacation. They are not. They are, too. When I left, the cat was fishing. <laughs> Where? In the goldfish bowl. And he was using the canary for bait. <laughs> oh, go to sleep. Canary and the goldfish are fine, and I wish that cat had dropped dead. Don't talk like that. I love that cat. When I get home, I'm going to enter him in a cat show. What for? He couldn't win anything. Maybe not, but he'd need an all-a-nice cat. Sleep, will you, Blanche? I'm not sleepy. Why don't you sit up and talk to me? Blanche, people don't talk at four o'clock in the morning. You talked until five o'clock on our first honeymoon. You kept reciting poetry and telling me how beautiful I was. Do you remember what you said, John? No. You told me your love for me was like a raging inferno. You said you had a fierce fire blazing in your breast like a live coal. What happened to it, John? It's only a clinker now. How can you say such terrible things to me? Blanche, I'm so sleepy, I don't know what I'm saying. I'd like to hear you say things like that to Gloria Goosby. <laughs> Can't I even go to Niagara Falls without Gloria Goosby? The only reason you didn't was because she wouldn't have you. What? You proposed to her 15 times before you proposed to me, you big second fiddle, you. I never proposed to Gloria Goosby, and you know it. And the next time I see her, I'm going to punch her husband, Leo, right in the nose. What have you got against Leo? He's a better husband than you are. And I'm sick of hearing that, too. Leo Goosby is a cheap, chiseling bum. He is not. He's more generous than you. Would Leo Goosby give you a new dress? No. Would he give you a new hat? No. Would he give you a mink coat? No. Would you give me a mink coat? No. Why should I give you anything Leo would give you? Well, stop goading me. You want me to do nothing but fight, fight, fight? No, I don't. All I do is ask for proof that you love me and you go into a tent. Blanche, what more proof do you want? I tell it to you a thousand times a day. I raise a new crop of freckles to spell out I love you. I painted it on all the Burma shave signs. Honey. Somebody's at the door, John. Honey. Honey! Honey! Madam, this is not a beehive, it's my bedroom! <laughs> I think, uh, people 
wandering around in the halls at this time on my fault, broken down the hotel. Oh, don't be so crabby. It's probably some nice little bride who can't find her husband. Maybe lost. He isn't lost. He's hiding. <laughs> Put out the lights, Blanche. I got a vile headache. Well, nobody told you to yell your brains out. Good night. If you just stand here and look at the falls for a few minutes, your headache will go away and you'll sleep fine. Mm. Where does all that water come from? I once read that it goes over at the rate of 346,000 gallons a second. John? Yeah. Are the falls higher on the American side or the Canadian side? I don't know. I'll have to find out in the morning. What a majestic spectacle. I'm convinced there's nothing in the world like Niagara Falls. Except you, Blanche. Really, John? Why do you say that? Because you never dry up either. Okay, did, did y'all enjoy that one as much as I did? Now we got one more we're going to do. Um, and the reason I'm doing two is because I just couldn't decide what I wanted to do last week. So I decided to stick two of them in here. And um, for the person who requested it, they'll have uh, double enjoyment. So this first one is Amos Borrows the Car. and Francis Langford as John and Blanche Bickerson with Danny Thomas as Brother Amos in The Honeymoon is Over. The Bickersons have retired. Mrs. Bickerson tosses restlessly while her husband John, victim of an obscure type of insomnia which manifests itself in constant and instantaneous sleep, exhibits the following symptoms of the dread disease. Listen. Well, I'm just not going to stand another minute. John! John! Sit up! Come on, sit right straight upright. Take off that sleep shade. What's the matter, Blanche? You're making me a nervous wreck with that snoring. Oh, it's just your imagination. I never snore. John! How you can have the audacity to... John! If you weren't snoring just then, what were you doing? Well, how do I know, Blanche? I was sleeping. Well, that kind of sleep is no good for you. Well, I love it. It doesn't leave you rested. I hope you haven't forgot that you start working a new job tomorrow morning. Mm. Your last one, you gave up because you were wide, weren't wide awake. Blanche, now. I didn't give up my old job. You quit for me. It's a good thing I did. You weren't making enough anyway. Well, the new job pays less. I know, but the hours are longer. Uh, what kind of reasoning do you call that? It's more time to advance yourself. You'd do a lot better, John, if you patterned yourself after my brother Amos. I hate your brother Amos. At least he's a go-getter. Well, then why doesn't he go get a job? He doesn't need to. Amos is a shrewd businessman. He can get things from people. Uh, he got plenty from me, all right. You're just jealous. He makes good everywhere he goes. Even in the army, he works himself up to a field marshal. Worked himself up to a buck private. You know very well we got word that they made him a field marshal. He was a private and he was court martialed. Not field marshal. Well, what's the difference? Court martial, field marshal. Uh, did you set the alarm clock? Yes, I set the alarm clock. What time did you set it for? Mm, 
I want you to give yourself plenty of time. And from now on, you're going to eat breakfast with me before you leave. Okay. When you get it ready, just call me downstairs. Get what ready? Breakfast. It won't hurt you to prepare breakfast for both of us. Leo Goofy does it all the time. He brings the glory on a tray. Blanche, why don't you let me sleep? Well, I like that. I don't let you sleep. You can say that again. It's your own snoring that wakes me up and makes me wake you to stop it so you can get enough sleep so you won't be tired from sleeping the way you do. You can't say that again. <laughs> well, don't mix me up. I'm the one who never sleeps. I'm worried right now for fear you won't get up in time to go to work. I'll get up in time. I can dress fast. Your shirts aren't back from the laundry. Oh, then I'll wear the one I wore today. You will not. You wear a clean one if you have to wash and iron it yourself. Okay. You say it now, but you won't do it. I will. You better do it now. Get up and wash your shirt. <laughs> Go on. Get up and wash your shirt. Blanche, are you out of your mind? It's almost four o'clock in the morning. Well, by the time you get through with the shirt, you can start making breakfast. <laughs> You know how I have to wrestle myself to sleep, and when I finally do, you lie there just waiting to wake me up like some, some jungle-prowling alligator. Alligators don't prowl in the jungle. Well, what do I care? You lost the shirt quick enough if you were going to see Gloria Goosey. I don't need a shirt to see Gloria Goosey. I believe that. Now, don't you start cracking these things again. With that kind of bait, you'd be trapped every time, brother. Oh, Gloria Goosey. I wish I'd never seen the woman in my life. So do I. You're not the same person you used to be, John. What's the matter now? Whenever you're alone with me, you just sit and mope. I don't mope at all. I'll bet you're sorry you married me. I am not. You never say you're happy. Well, I feel very happy. Well, then why don't you say it? I'm the happiest man in the world. <laughs> now, are you satisfied? No, there's something missing, John. All our friends have such fun. With their children, I mean. The Goosebies have a baby. The Flatters have a baby, and... Yesterday, the Marvins had a baby. Everybody has a baby. Blanche, it's four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Such a beautiful little thing. Weighed eight and a half pounds. That's wonderful. They haven't decided on a name yet. Mm. I wonder why you think of... <laughs> Wake up. I thought of a good name. Go to sleep. I thought of a bad one. I'll phone them in the morning. Did you pull the stopper out of the alarm clock? Mm -hmm. Did you set it for six? Seven. That won't give you enough time. You'll have to be at work by nine. Plenty of time. I can leave here at eight fifteen. There's no train after seven. I don't need a train. I'm driving. I'm afraid you'll have to take the train. You're taking my car. It isn't here. This too. It's in the garage. No, it isn't. I learned to claim it. Well, then I'll... You what? I lent your car to Amos. You wanted to go to the race? Frank, no. No, you couldn't. Not my car. Don't get so excited. He promised to bring it back Tuesday. Tuesday? It's a new car. He can't drive it. He's got a license. Why did you do that? Well, he wanted to go to the racetrack, and he'd have to get up so early if he took the well, train. Well, it's all right for me to take a train, huh? It's all right for me to go without sleep. And I'm going to work, not the racetrack. Well, Amos has a chance of making a lot more money than you. I'll look, Blanche. Maybe you wouldn't have to go to work either if you'd get friendlier with Amos. Ah, the right kind of people and always manage to figure out some money-making scheme, and he's bound to be a millionaire. Then why does he keep borrowing from me? If you're foolish enough to lend him things, you shouldn't complain. Go to sleep. Go to sleep, Chief Sleep. I waited four years for that car. Never even had my hands on the wheel. And she gives it to that irresponsible maniac. 
Tomorrow morning I'll have the pleasure of opening my garage door and not finding my beautiful car. You won't find the garage door either. Why not? He was knocked it off as he was backing up. Garage is too narrow anyway. Go to sleep, John. Oh, what are you, you going to do with a woman like that? This is too much. Hmm. Car is too narrow. Hmm. Never be able to sleep again as long as I. John, get up. Okay, okay. Feels like I didn't sleep at all. How do you shut this sign thing off? Where's the stopper? Put down the alarm clock. It's the phone. Oh. Oh, I knew it couldn't be the alarm because I didn't. Oh! Put the lights on. The lights are on. You've got the silicate on your head. Oh. Where am I? Hello. Jacko! This is Amy. Rob, yes! Oh, no, wait, Amy, Amy. Yeah? Where, uh, where are you? Where, where, where's my car? In your stand the shark, Jacko? <laughs> no. Hey, you know that thousand you lent me? Well, I went to the track and I got to worrying about it, see? So I made a few bets for you. I got $300 for you. Honest? You won that much? Oh, no, I lost. But, but the $300? Well, I was so worried about losing that I ran your car into a truck. I sold it on the spot to a junk man. Oh, Amos, Amos, you didn't. Oh, yeah, I'll bring you the money in the morning. So long, Jacko. Amos, Amos. It's the end of the world. Don't the lights, Blanche. I'm weak. Let me get back in bed. Why should one man have so much... Oh! Oh! oh. Right in the mouth. Oh! John, did you hurt yourself? What's the difference? I was going to have these two seats pulled down. Goodbye, Okay, y'all, this next one, it's, uh, it's called Easy Aces, and um, it's like a little short serial that came on every day, five days a week, and uh, it's pretty good. It's not as uh, popular as Lum and Abner and um, Amos and Andy and some of those guys, but it, uh, it was pretty good, um, and... Uh, Jane, the wife, she's always into something kind of causing trouble or getting her nose out of joint or just plain being nosy. So, um, anyway, y'all enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, Easy Aces.
drop in at the home of Mr. and Mrs. Ace, better known to radio fans as the Easy Aces. Here we will find Mr. Ace, the patient, long-suffering husband, his wife Jane, with whom he tries to be patient but winds up suffering, and Jane's school day friend Marge, who lives with the Aces. From time to time we shall meet other characters who people this hilarious comedy of domestic life, but at the moment we find Jane, Mr. Ace, and Marge sitting around the living room after dinner. Now let's drop in and get acquainted as we find Mr. Ace with his evening paper, Marge with a book, and Jane writing a letter. She seems troubled. Listen. Oh, I'm getting all mixed up here. Dear. Yeah? I'm having one of my bad spells again. How do you spell right? Right? Yes, I got it here in this letter I'm writing my sister, but it looks like I made a mistake. How do you spell it? Well, uh, which right do you mean? Which? How many are there? Right, you know. Well, there's W-R-I-T-E and there's R-I-G-H-T. Which do you want? Either one, just so I spell it right. Just so you spell it right, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny, isn't yes, it? Just uh, so I spell it right. <laughs> did, did you get that, Marge? Yes, did. I think I did. <laughs> I just got it myself. <laughs> well, enough joking around. Yes. Um, how do you spell it, dear? Well, then, how are you using it in the sentence? What are you saying ahead of it? Ahead of it? Uh, let me see. The word ahead of it is last. Oh, last right. Well, that's R-I-T-E. A new one came in. R-I-T-E? Yeah, if that's the way you're using it. Then what are you saying to your sister about last ride? Oh, nothing in particular. All I'm saying is, uh, dear Ethel, I'm glad you found time to at last write me. To at last write you? Oh, oh that last ride. <laughs> yes, how do you spell that? Uh, that's W-R-I-T-E. With a W? Yes, yes. <laughs> Dear, have you been telling me wrong on purpose? No, you said last right. I didn't know what you meant. Besides, you uh, you shouldn't split an infinitive that way. Who did? You. You said to at last write you. To write is an infinitive, and you're splitting it with at last. You shouldn't do that. How do you like that? I asked him a simple question about spelling right, and that's what comes out. Oh. <laughs> Isn't he disgusting, Marge? Yes. <laughs> Look, Jane, you asked me this. I didn't start it. I said, how do you spell right? Marge, didn't I say how do you spell right? <laughs> you certainly did, Jane. That's all I said. That's all I want to know. I don't want to know about infinitives. I'm sure Ethel doesn't want to know about infinitives. I'm sure she doesn't care if I split them or chop them or make hamburgers out of them. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she she doesn't, Jack. Yeah, I take it back. I'm sure she wouldn't know an infinitive. What are you writing Ethel about, Dad? Oh, I'm writing to thank her for the book she sent me. Oh, yes, that book. Did you read it? Well, sort of. What do you mean, sort of? Well, you know, in a half-hazard way, I, uh, I skipped. No, Jane. Why, Jane, shame on you. Yes, I did. I couldn't help it. It didn't start out good. Oh, I thought it did, Jane. I thought it was swell. I read it. Well, right away, I didn't like the lover in the first chapter. You didn't? No, he was too squishy-washy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know you shouldn't judge a book by its lover, but I don't know what to <laughs> No, think. never judge a book by its lover. Uh, Jane, how do you judge a book? Well, I don't know. I guess I just judge it if I like it or not. Uh, that's the only way I can tell. Well, when... When do you like it, and when don't you? Well, oh, I don't know. Stop asking me so many questions. All I know is I didn't like that book. Maybe the movie will be better. Yes, we'll wait for that. Do you like to see a movie after you've read the book, or vice versa? You mean, or read the movie after you've seen the book? Yeah. No, did I say that? I oh, I know what you mean, Jack. <laughs> 
Personally, I like to see a movie after I've read the book, just to see if the character is the same as I visualized them when I read the book. Beg pardon? I mean, I like to compare the movie with the characters as I pictured them when I read the book. Oh, I see what you mean, yes. Well, I always picture Ronald Coleman when I read a book. Always? Yes. Who do you? Well, I hadn't thought of it that way, Jane. I don't always picture the same person. Oh, I do. That's why I didn't like this book. I couldn't picture Ronald Coleman. And the things he kept saying to the girl. Oh, it was just... Oh, where is that book? Listen to some of these things. Here it is. Pretty bad, Marge. Wait till I find where he oh, says about... Jane, don't start reading the book to her. I'm not. I don't like it. I just want to show you what I mean. Some of the things he says to her. Wait a minute. Oh, yes. Here. Listen to this. This is him talking. Is that right? Oh, no, this is him speaking. Yes, yeah, that's better, Jane. Uh, Martha, you asked me a simple question. What about us? And I can only reply with a question. Is that important? Do we matter? Does anyone matter? Martha, there are moving forces abroad in the world today that will sweep us all into maternity. You see, dear, it's no fun. Oh, hey, let me read that book. That sounds very interesting. Oh, you can read it if you want to, but you won't like it. Oh, Jenny, we'll stole. This book has been selected by the Book of the Month Club. Yes, it would take about a month to read it, too. Oh, okay. You can't even get interested in it. Oh, they don't write books like they used to, do they? Remember the books we used to read? Those were love stories. Why don't they write books like those? Books that make you cry and things like that. Yeah, come down to my office. I'll show you some books that'll make you cry. Is that what you do down there, read books no, all day? No, Jane. Uh, getting back to this book, then. Uh, well, didn't you think it was well-written? Well-written? You mean no split incentives and things like that? Well, I uh, mean... Just a minute, Mark. You see how I learned here? Yes, Jane. Excuse me, Mark. Go ahead. Well, uh, I mean, this book has a message. Oh, if I want a message, I can call Western Union. Oh, I see. I'm not getting anywhere with you. Oh, but the books we used to read back home, Mars. Remember? Vaguely, mm, Jane. Oh, I don't. I remember every one of them. Remember the book we read called Mars? A book called Mars? Yes, we got her at the library after school one day. We took it because she was Mars's nameplate. Mars's oh, nameplate. Uh, <laughs> yes, the girl the story was about had the same name as Mars's. Mm. Don't you remember that book, Marge, where we read it together and we both cried, except you? I read it twice. Don't tell me you don't remember that book, Marge. Oh, that was years ago. I'm afraid I've forgotten it. I'll tell you the story. Oh, couldn't you have said you remembered it? Mm, yes, it's a mistake now. Uh, yes, I remember it very well, Jane. Oh, you do not. What was the story? Well, it was a story about a girl named Marge. Yeah, that's it. I thought you'd forgotten it. Mm -hmm. Wasn't that a story? That was a story. Not like this book, Moving Forces Abroad in the World Today. What kind of talk is that for a fellow with a girl? Especially when they're alone. Oh, they're alone when he says this to her, you know. Did I tell you they were alone? Yes, Jane, I think you did. Yeah. Yes, they're alone, mm -hmm. and that's the way he talks. That's not the way they used to talk in the old books. Oh, those were the days. Yeah, that was the life. Yes, it's a great life if you don't waken. Mmm, you said it. But this book, ugh. Ugh. Now, on the other hand, take that record, Ethel's husband sent it. Now, that's something. Oh, the record, yeah. Mm -hmm. I wrote him thanking him for it. I uh, wrote him a separate note. Here it is. Oh, have I sealed it? No. Listen to this. Dear Homer, thanks so much for the wonderful record you sent us. It's simply beautiful, and it was so thoughtful of you to send it. We've all had so much pleasure out of it that I can't begin to tell you, because Bing Crosby is our favorite, and we certainly are getting a kick out of this record. 
And you can imagine how much more we will enjoy it when we get a Victrola and play it. Oh, when we get a Victrola, we're really going to start enjoying it. Yes, yes. I thought it was very sweet of the Senate, yes. but I don't know how Ethel happened to pick a book like this, though. She usually sends us such nice things. Now, Jane, I don't think that's the right spirit. After all, it's not the gift, you know. It's the spirit in which it was sent. Oh, yes, I shouldn't have said that, huh? I should say you shouldn't have. No, I shouldn't. I'm sorry. But anyhow, it is an awful book. Oh, <laughs> what's the use? Well, what's the use of kidding ourselves? Bing Crosby sings a song, and there's no moving forces abroad in the world. He just sings. I can understand that. But you can't understand the book. I certainly can't. I wish you would read it and see if you can. But you don't even read any books. Every night with that newspaper. Well, there are moving forces abroad in the world today that the papers are full of. That's what I mean. I don't see how you can read those papers every day. Well, I like to know the news, Jan. Oh, it's the same thing every day, only about different people. Mm. That's all you find in those papers. Quiet down, read this book. Here, I want you to read this from A to finish. I want you to see if I'm not right that it's no good. Start reading it now. And I want you to read a little bit every night after dinner. Oh, that's my homework, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, remember homework, Mark? <laughs> then you're in a reminiscing mood, aren't you? <laughs> yes, aren't I? Remember how we used to do our homework real fast so we could read our books? That's when we read those beautiful love stories. Those lovers in those books used to say things to the girl that meant something. You mean when you used to think of them as Ronald Coleman? No, in those days it was Raymond the Barrow. Oh, Raymond the Remember Barrow. him, Mark? I used to think about him all the time. I used to think about what I'd say when I met him. Oh, you never met him, though. No, I met you, dear. Oh. Well, what an anticlimax. Well, I've had some real competition, though, haven't I? Ronald Coleman, Raymond the Barrow. Oh, well, you're not so bad, dear. Thanks, Jane. That's mighty decent of you. <laughs> well, you're better than the fellow in that book. Oh, that book's very good. Don't listen to her. Marge, how can you say that? What little I read I can see right away is not going to be good. He doesn't even marry Martha. Then how do you know that if you didn't read the whole book? I told you I skipped. Well, that's not fair. You're not in a position to judge a book that you only scan through. I know what I like and what I don't. This book is it. It's not only not interesting, but it's long and the print is small and it's too heavy to hold up in bed if you want to read before sleeping. And, oh, there's a lot of things wrong with the two humors to mention. Outside of that, though, it's all right. Outside of what? I mentioned everything wrong. It's just no good. Well, I guess I better get back to my letter. Yes, I guess you better. Uh, where was I? Oh, yes, it's W-R-I-T-E. Is that final, dear? Yes, James. Dear Ethel, I'm glad you found time to at last write me. All right, to write me at last. I didn't say anything. No, but I saw that tone in your eye. Now, don't bother me. I want to finish this. Uh, let me see here. You like that for starting an argument. Well, you did bring up the split infinitive. Yeah, well, did I know it was almost going to split up our home? Then you should know better. <laughs> and if you get time, read this book. You'll like it. Yes, I know I will. Well, I don't think I'll write anymore. I said enough, I think. You finished, then? Yeah, I think so. I said, uh... Dear Ethel, I'm glad you found time to write me at last. I want to thank you for the book you sent me. It was simply lovely. And I don't know when I enjoyed reading anything more. What? After all we just went through? <laughs> That's the spirit. Oh. But between you and I, it's no good. Jane, between you and me. Oh, I split another incentive, Mark. No, that's not a split. Okay, I hope y'all liked Easy Aces. If you did and you want to hear some more of them, um, let us know and, and we'll get them for you. Because um, I've got plenty of them right now. And um, so anyway, but now 
we're going to do one that most people know. It's Fibber McGee and Molly, and I just love these guys, and they are so talented, especially um, the lady that plays um, Mrs. McGee. Um, I think her name's Mary something or Marion something. But anyway, in real life, they were a husband and wife. But one thing about Molly is that sometimes she played more than one character. And she would often play this little girl called Teeny that was a neighbor of theirs. And Teeny was always coming around and she would drive uh, Fibber just crazy. But um, anyway, and I didn't know for the longest that that was uh, her doing that part of that little girl, but it was. And um, so anyway, um, it's called Hot Dog and a Blowout. Martelli's orchestra, Kathleen Wells, Ronnie and Van, and starring those nutty nomads, those two traveling, truth-tripping troubadours, Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> Martelli opens the show with a musical weather report in March Winds and April Showers, with our Russian rhythm boys, Dustoff and Brightsky, singing the chorus. <laughs> Thank you. 
Who have we here merrily meandering down the macadam in that jittering jalopy but Fibber McGee and Molly? We'd better be stopping for gas, McGee. According to the gauge, we've been running on a dry tank for 21 miles. That ain't nothing. Nothing? Nope. I mind the time I run a motorcycle from Cape Town, Africa to Mongabula, a distance to some 612 miles on a pint of coconut milk. You see, what I've done was... Never you mind now. You needn't be practicing your dime novels on me, Fibber McGee. Pull in that station there. I was just going to... Better get them... Hi, folks. Yes? Ask him if he let you milk a coconut, McGee. <laughs> oh, sure. Sure we want some gas, young fella. All right, how much? Fill her up? Well, no, uh... How far is it to Argusville? 83 miles. And how far from there to Middletown? Oh, I'd say about 110. That makes, uh, let's see, 83 and 110. Oh, about 200 altogether. That's just about what I figured. Give me two gallons. Uh, wait, wait a minute. Uh, how, how much is it? Well, uh, the red gas is 18 and a half cents. The blue gas is 17. And the white gas is 50. Is that uh, the whitest gas you got? Mix up a gallon of blue and a gallon of red, mister. Purple's me favorite color. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, I hear there's a circus over in Milltown. You don't mean to be yep, telling that's me. that's why we're going there. I used to own the big elephant they got in the circus there. Name's Myrtle. Myrtle, the gentle giant of the jungle. Real sweet elephant, Myrtle was. Sure. <laughs> she must have read the poem. <laughs> what poem? Why should the spirits of Myrtle be proud? <laughs> Remember? Who's interrupting, Molly? This young fellow asked me to tell him about Myrtle, didn't he? No. Well, sir, I brought Myrtle over to this country in 1916. She was just a kid, only 116 years old. Is that so? Yep. That's why I want to go see her again. See if that busted leg is healed up okay. Busted leg? Well, I never heard of an elephant breaking his leg. First case I ever heard of myself. You see, it was like this here. We was in the Wheeling, West Virginia one chilly day with a carnival. Played the chilly con carnival, you might say. <laughs> well, sir, the first day we had a, a street parade. A parade? Sure. <laughs> McGee parade, Myrtle wouldn't step on him. <laughs> Say, whose elephant was this? Yes, sir. We had bands, calliopes, animal cages, and 47 clowns. Including yourself. Including? No. <laughs> I was an elephant tender, known into the profession as a bulldog. <laughs> no argument. Now, listen, Molly, if you well, want to... Well, what happened then, sir? Well, sir, as I was saying, I always bid on to Myrtle Ted on account of because she was kind of nervous and scared. Particularly when she was scared of mosquitoes and moose. Moose? Hi. Mouses! All elephants are scared of moose. I mean, mouses. Well, sir, there we were. A hooping down the main street there, and right into the main part of town, Myrtle stopped dead into her tracks. She'd have threw me if I hadn't been such a good elephant jockey. <laughs> threw the whole parade into a ruckus. Lions was roaring and folks was shouting, and Myrtle, Myrtle, reading the signs, knew they was going to be rioting. I never knew elephants could understand it. Understand what? Reading and rioting. Well, sir, <laughs> most everybody ran into a movie theater till I could get Myrtle under control. Well, was there any damage done? Only to the truth, mister. <laughs> oh, not much. A candy store was wrecked when Myrtle went through the window. Funny thing, too. On her way through, she had four pounds of chocolate caramels, and they had to drill her trunk out next day with a three-inch reamer. But there wasn't much damage done. Fruit stand dumped over, three automobiles standing there, and, and two of them got scratched up. But the t'other one uh, had Johnson's auto wax onto it. <laughs> I kind of slipped that one in there, didn't I? <laughs> but 
But Myrtle's leg was the main thing. Well, how was her leg injured? You mean how she come to bust it? Yeah. Well, you see, on her way out of the rear of the candy store, she had to go through a pool room. And that's how she got behind the eight ball, I suppose. <laughs> as I was saying, as she was going through this here pool room, she seen them billiard balls on the table there and give them a kind of a curiosity sniff, just in passing. And, brother, will you believe me? In them innocent little ivory billiard balls laying there, she recognizes her cousin Elmer, which had been kidnapped in 1678. No. <laughs> you don't say. I do say. Buster, in revenge for Elmer, she gave the table a boot with her leg and snapped. Busted the leg right at the cow. You mean the calf? No, the cow. It was too big for a calf. <laughs> so that's why we're going over to see Myrtle, boy. Uh, how much are you? Thirty-six cents. Thank you. Uh, but listen, sir. You didn't explain what uh, confused Myrtle in the first place. Confused? <laughs> she wasn't confused, boy. Myrtle was just bubbling over with happiness, that's all. For why, McGee? Well, sir, as the parade was going down the street, all the folks leaning out of their windows and waved their hands. And with all them palms fluttering overhead, Myrtle thought she was home into her own little jungle again. Be <laughs> <laughs> seeing you, sir. <laughs>
Kelly and his men playing Blue Room. And if we may digress a moment from Blue Rooms, Pink Pachyderms, and White Lies, let us tell you that it will be a red-letter day in the life of your car when you give it a shiny coat of <coughs> Johnson's... <coughs> well, Fibber, back again, I see. I thought you were driving over to see an elephant. <laughs> I was, young fellow, but I detoured off on the trunk line. Uh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> uh, I come over to give you a hand with the commercial announcement, Boax Harlow. Harlow Wilcox. And well, I can handle the commercial announcement all right myself. Uh, that's what you think. Folks, Johnson's Auto Wax will give you a nice, shiny sheen onto your chassis that'll shine like the sun when the shine shone. Uh, uh, I mean, when the sun shines on the teeny shine of the shiny... Folks, Johnson's Auto Wax will give... Stick to your fibbing. You'll have to excuse McGee, Mr. Wilcox. He's been eating alphabet soup in a Greek restaurant. <laughs> McGee, why do you always have to oh, I can't well, well, it may have been alphabet soup to Fibber, but it will be duck soup for you to have a gleaming, protective finish on your car this summer. No matter how dull and dirty your old car looks now, Johnson's Auto Wax will make it shine like new again. No fooling. Johnson's Auto Wax and cleaner work magic on any car finish. The cleaner is absolutely safe to use, quickly takes off all the old film and dirt without the slightest injury to the car finish, changes a dull, faded paint job to a bright, sparkling luster right before your eyes. And here's something very important. Johnson's Auto Wax saves the car from the damaging effects of the hot sun. The wax polish forms a tough shield of protection, so the ultraviolet sun rays cannot get at the finish to destroy its beauty. And now is the time to wax polish your car. You can do the job yourself. Or have it done for you at a nearby service station. Johnson's Auto Wax is for sale at hardware stores, auto accessory stores, and service stations. When you purchase the wax and cleaner, your dealer will give you free a can of black auto enamel for covering up rust spots and blemishes on the fenders or chassis of your car. But you'll hear more about this free offer at the end of the program. And now, we'll take advantage of the fact that Fibber McGee is not in sight to present that smiling little songstress, Miss Kathleen Wells. going to sing every day. Love, sweet song, dear, sounds a little wrong, dear, when you sing it in a kidding way. Though I'm mighty Frivolous and slighting, honest, I'm not fooling when I say every day I'll fall in love for love again. I'll never let our love grow old. I'll always keep it new. Every day I'll let you know that my Valentine is you. We'll live the sweetest story told, like honeymooners do. Romance never will die. 
wouldn't care for a hot dog, would you, first? No, I wouldn't. And suppose you keep your face out of the hot dogs long enough to face some cold facts. Chuck's I'd, I'd kind of go for a hot dog myself right now. <laughs> go on with you. <laughs> if you had three more of them things today, you, you wouldn't be able to set the car for wagging your tail. <laughs> Now get busy. Oh, okay. I, I just thought I'd ask. What was it you wanted me to do? Get some oil? No, forgetful. Check up on that bad tire. <laughs> you don't mean that bad tire. You mean the worst of the bad tires. <laughs> don't be stalling for time. Okay. Just here on me. Hey, you mean this one? Boy, shucks. It's as solid as the rock of Gibraltar. Gibraltar, Ignorant. The G is soft, like that tire's going to be when we're ten miles out on the road. <laughs> Don't you worry about that tire, Molly. Baby, when I change his tires, they say change. Well, I mind the time when I... There you are, McGee. Can't you just smell the fresh mountain air coming out of that tire? Well, uh... Chips, Molly, uh, how'd I know her? Well, I'll change it again. Uh, hey, Molly, where are you going? Where are you going? You stay there and get busy. I'm going to get yourself a hot. Oh, hey, Molly, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, Come here. What is it now? Chuck, Molly, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I didn't think that time. Listen to me, McGee. The idea of a man your age. What do you mean, a man my age? Why, shucks. I can jump up and crack my heels together, can't I? Sure, but there's no use having both ends cracked at once, McGee. <laughs> Well, anyway, nobody's no older than what he feels. What's the good of counting all of your birthdays? When the future has so much appeal. Why, it's the same on your first as it is on your 91st birthday. Take You're right, Mickey. You're just as old as you look and just as young as you feel. You. Oh, my heart is full of romance. When the grass is growing green, I may be over 60, but I feel like sweet 16. What won't be do when you think that's your Clark Gable? That fella on the screen. I may be over 60, but I feel like sweet 16. 16. I want to dance. I want to sing. I know it's winter, but it feels like spring. I'm not too old to have my fling. The world don't know me a gosh darn thing. Why, McGee, you're the life of every part. You betcha. You're a jolly jelly bean. I may be over 60, but, but I feel like sweet with a hey nolly nolly and a razzmatazz when I'm on a kitty party. I'm the youngest on the scene. I may be over 60, but I feel like sweet 16. I got you tell. Oh, my friends are fat and 40. Still, I keep my shape so lean. I may be over 60, but, but I feel like sweet 16. I have no weight. I have no pain. I'm not too romantic when it feels like rain. I've got romance in every vein. I spend all my evenings in lovers' lane. <laughs> you don't need overhauling, McGee. You're a darn good old machine. I may be but I feel like sweet sixteen. And that was that with a hey nonny Molly and a fibber McGee, from which we go into a number by Martelli and the trio, in which the losers are all winners. Lost the rhythm, lost the music. Lost my man. Take it, Rico.
Listen, folks, me and Molly has got room into the back seat of our car for three of you folks that's listening in. All you got to do to apply for the ride is... Hey there, clean old wax car, who are you pushing around? Harlow Wilcox to you, and I'll take this announcement. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, you probably wouldn't even apply for that ride, remembering the state of Pippers' tires. (laughs) But you can have all the fun and none of the trouble by riding along with us every Tuesday night at this same hour. But Fibber wasn't fibbing in one particular. We are making you a free offer, and a lot more sensible one than his. We're offering you free a 40-cent can of black auto enamel with every purchase of Johnson's Auto Wax and Cleaner. It's a very high-grade black enamel, which will successfully cover up all the disfiguring rusty spots on the chassis or fenders of your car. A brush comes right with the can of enamel, so you'll find it very easy to apply. Ask for Johnson's Auto Wax and Cleaner. At your hardware store, service station, or auto accessory store. The combination costs only 98 cents, and you get the 40 cent can of touch up enamel free. Remember, Johnson's Auto Wax will keep your car young and beautiful, protect it from the ultraviolet rays of the sun, and greatly increase its trade in value. rendezvous with Johnson's Auto Wax and Bibber McGee next Tuesday night at this same hour. Your announcer is Harlow Wilcox. I hope. Good night.
Broadcasting Company. Okay. Uh, I hope y'all found those to be as entertaining as I did. I love Fibber McGee and Molly. And um, I think they, and they really hung on the radio for a long time. Uh, they were on, I think they started in the late 1930s. I should have looked it up. Uh, but I remember from what I had read earlier that I think they started like in the 1930s. And it was around maybe 1950 that they actually stopped. But um, they were real popular for a long time. But now, the next one coming up is um, one that uh, was a radio show, and then it turned into a TV show. It's called Father Knows Best. Now, in the TV show, it had the same guy. Um, um, in fact, uh, Robert Young played Marcus Welby later on, Marcus Welby, M.D., in the 70s. But um, Father Knows Best started out um, as a radio show, and then it it turned into a TV show. And when it turned into a TV show, uh, Jane Wyatt became the mother. But um, anyway, uh, for those of you who watch Father Knows Best on Antenna TV, you can tell me which one you like best, the radio show or the TV show. I tend to like the radio show the best, but that's just me. But I do like it. But anyway, uh, here we, it's called The Elusive Card Game. Mother, is Maxwell House really the only coffee in the world? Well, your father says so, and your father knows best. Yes, it's Father Knows Best, transcribed in Hollywood, starring Robert Young as father. A half-hour visit with your new neighbors, the Andersons, brought to you by Maxwell House, the coffee that's bought and enjoyed by more people than any other brand of coffee at any price. Maxwell House, always good to the last drop. In every family, there are special days. Days which, though simple, will live forever in our memories. There's the day Junior had his first haircut. The day Dad backed into the garage door. Or the day Mother didn't back into the garage door. In Springfield, in the white frame house on Maple Street, it's dinner time. And one of those days is in the making. It will be known, as long as an Anderson remains, as the day Father received the Christmas bills. Like this. It's outrageous. That's what it is. The most outrageous thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Pass the potatoes to your father, Betty. Yes, Mother. Potatoes, Father. Uh, thank you. It's gotten so that Christmas isn't a period of joy and celebration. It's a plot to collect all the money overlooked by the government. <laughs> I've never seen such an assortment of bills. Kathy, won't you please eat your dinner? But I have to watch Daddy. I'm sure he'd much rather you ate your dinner. But I want to see the steam come out of his ears. The what? <laughs> well, Buzz said when you saw all those bills... Holy cow, Kathy. I didn't mean it really would. I was just, you know... 
Sure was cold out today, wasn't it? Well, for certain people, it's going to get warmer. Much warmer. May I have the bread, please? Here you are, Dan. Thank you. Say, Dan. Look at this. $17.70 for mucklucks. Now, what the devil are mucklucks? The knitted slippers, dear. For $17.70? That's for six pair, Jim. I sent them to my sister Kathleen and her family. Oh, fine. And what did she send us? Five napkin rings painted by hand in the kindergarten of a school for backward children. <laughs> Jim, that's not the proper attitude to take. Oh, it isn't, isn't it? You don't see that brother-in-law of yours shelling out any 1770 for mucklucks, do you? I tell you, Margaret, we've got to realize that we aren't the Morgans or the Rockefellers. We're just plain, simple people, and we've got to act that way. Yes, dear. Say, Dan. When I was a boy, thrift was an important part of the daily life. The family worked together to see how little it could spend, not how much. They tried to help put something away for a rainy day. Not us. This family lives in a continual cloudburst. Dan. What is it, bud? As long as we're talking about money, I need five dollars. Bud. <laughs> Oh, that's fine. That's just great. I give out with a long lecture on thrift and economy, and all it does is remind my son that he needs $5. Now, why do you need $5? To be a bird watcher. <laughs> a what? A bird watcher. You watch birds. I wouldn't care if you watched elephants. <laughs> why does it have to cost $5? Well... You have to buy a manual. It tells you how to watch. And you get a button. And they have meetings every Tuesday and Thursday night. No. But, Dad, watching birds makes you alert. No. It gives you a better understanding of your feathered friends. No. And it's educational. No. Oh, gosh. You certainly want me to be educated, don't you? Yes. Then I can go? No. <laughs> oh. oh. Would you care for some more coffee, dear? I certainly would. Thank you. I'll bet Evelyn Finney's a bird watcher. You keep out of this, Kathy. Bud's got a girl. I have not. You just wait, Kathy, that's all. Just wait. Bud's got a girl. Dad. All right, Kathy, stop that and drink your milk. But, but I did. It's all gone. Well, get some more milk and drink it. <laughs> Gee whiz. And behave yourself. Now, where was I? The part about putting something away for a rainy day. Thank you. Rainy day. Oh, look, I don't want you to think I'm being stingy or that I don't want you to enjoy a healthy, normal life, but what's that? What's what, dear? On the buffet. Is that another album of records? Oh, you ought to hear them, Father. They're simply dreamy. You see, that's what I mean. A new album, and we've got so many records now we can join the disc jockey's union. <laughs> Jockeys have a union, Daddy? How do I know? Well, you just said. I that... said if they had a union, we could join it. Why? <laughs> because we have so many records. Are you going to be a disc jockey, Daddy? No, I'm not going to be a disc jockey. <laughs> Why not? Because I'm an insurance jockey. I mean, <laughs> oh, Kathy, drink your milk. I did. Twice. <laughs> well, eat your cake. I don't have any cake. 
What have you got? Jello. Well, eat it and be quiet. <laughs> Gee whiz. Father, there's no need to get excited about the record. Now, don't tell me what to get excited about and what not to get excited about. You have no right to waste money on more records. But, Father... Five dollars for bird watchers and five dollars for records. They cost seven fifty. Seven fifty. Betty Anderson, you mean those records cost $7.50? Yes, Father, Oh, but... that's fine. Just fine. We've got records you haven't touched in five years, but they're no good. You've got to buy new ones for $7.50. But, Father... When I was a boy, I couldn't buy a new record till the old one wore out. But, Father... I played Dardanella so long the fuzz on the turntable came through. <laughs> And stop butt-fathering me. You have no right to waste $7.50 on records. But, Father, I didn't. I borrowed them from Janie Liggett. I don't care where you got them. You have no right to... Oh. <laughs> well, uh, where was I? Uh, rainy day, dear. Page two. <laughs> All right, laugh. Go ahead. The whole thing is a big joke. It's very funny. I'm telling you right now, we're spending too much money, and we're going to cut down. Oh, Jim, I don't think we're extravagant, any of us. Okay, you're not extravagant. You just spend too much money. But we don't waste anything, dear, and we don't spend money unnecessarily. Oh, we don't, don't we? I suppose $5 to watch birds isn't unnecessary. If Bud has to watch birds, he can sit on the front porch and watch them for 10 years. It won't cost him a dime. <laughs> Holy cow. This family has to learn to conserve. We've got to make things do. Now, here, look at this. Another pair of shoes for Kathy. That's the third pair in six months. But, Daddy, I'm growing. Well, do you have to grow so fast? <laughs> Father! Oh, it's all right, dear. Your father's only joking. Sure, I'm only joking, Kathy. But there's one thing I'm not joking about. This family has to stop spending so much money. And we've got to stop running around. We're going to stay home and enjoy the simple things of life. We've got magazines to read, books to read. I spent $190 for the encyclopedia, and nobody's ever gotten past Marib to Mushy. Jim, there's one thing you don't seem to understand. Just a moment, dear. Bud, the phone. It's Cassie's turn. It is not, but I'll answer it anyway. See if I care. What is it you were saying, Margaret? Well, I was saying that... There's one thing you don't seem to understand, that no one has even mentioned going out tonight. Everyone was quite satisfied and quite happy, and this entire discussion seems to be absolutely pointless. Is that so? If I didn't put my foot down every once in a while, this whole family would go to pot. Nobody would ever stay home. Daddy, it's for you. Thank you, Kathy. It's Mr. Smith, Daddy. Thank you, dear. Hello, Heck. No, we were just finishing our dinner. The drugstore? Well, I hadn't thought about going down there, but pick up cards for what? You mean the game is tonight? Oh. Well, uh... Look, Heck, uh, maybe you'd better not figure on me for tonight. Well, frankly, I forgot all about it, and I got myself into a situation here. Yes, I know, Heck, but couldn't you get George Phillips? Out of town, huh? Uh, just a minute, Heck. Kathy, there's somebody at the door. Okay. I'm sorry, Heck. 
Well, look, there must be somebody else you can get for the game. There isn't, huh? Well, uh, I'll do whatever I can, Heck, but uh, it's going to be tough. Okay. Okay. But if I'm not there by eight, well, uh, you'd better call me. Okay, Heck, I'll see you. Ye gods, the things I get myself into. Is there anything wrong, dear? No, nothing wrong. Let's see. Um, what were we talking about? Nobody goes out tonight. <laughs> Well, of course, I don't mean that we have to live like hermits. Of course not, dear. There are circumstances when it will be necessary and proper for us to spend an evening away from home. A special picture that we won't want to miss, or a meeting, or uh, uh, something. You're so right, dear, but after that long lecture you just finished, naturally you don't mean tonight. Do you, dear? Oh, no, naturally not tonight. <laughs> We, uh, we'll all spend a quiet evening at home tonight. Daddy? Yes, Kathy? Daddy, may I please have a dollar and a quarter? You certainly may not. But, Daddy... You see, Margaret, that's just what I meant about discipline. This entire discussion about thrift and economy was absolutely wasted. Everything I said went in one ear and out the other. I spent 15 minutes explaining that we had to take it easy, that we had to cut down on our spending, and what happens? As soon as I stop to take a deep breath, Bud needs five dollars to watch birds, and Kathy needs a dollar and a quarter. Now, why on earth do you suddenly need a dollar and a quarter? To pay the paper boy. <laughs> oh. You know, for all his talking, Father wouldn't think of doing without that paper. It's one of those things that means so much to every day that comes along. And something else we count on, you and I, day in and day out, is coffee. I mean really good coffee, like our Maxwell House. Coffee you sit down to and enjoy, cup after cup. That good-to-the-last-drop flavor. You won't find it in any other coffee. No coffee but Maxwell House. And as you'd expect, there's a very real reason why. It's a recipe, the only recipe there is for that good-to-the-last-drop flavor. It's mighty important, that recipe of ours, because the flavor of the coffee you enjoy depends on the blend, the kind of coffees in it, and how they're put together. Now, coffee grows in many different varieties, and you can blend them in all sorts of ways. But there's only one way one recipe for our famous Maxwell House flavor. And when all's said and done, it's this recipe of ours that makes the difference. The big difference between just another coffee and the wonderfully good flavor of America's favorite brand. It's a difference you'll taste for yourself the very first time you pour a cup of our Maxwell House coffee. And I hope you will, tomorrow. Hope you'll start enjoying the coffee that's always good to the last drop in the white frame house on Maple Street, an hour has passed, and a long, long hour it's been. For Jim Anderson, the minutes have dragged by an endless procession. 
His active mind is buzzing with a weird assortment of masculine schemes, every one of them taken from the file headed How to Get Out of the House. A dozen fantastic plans have already been tried, and none of them has worked. But you've got to give Jim credit. The kid's still in there pitching like this. Margaret. Yes, dear? Do you have the correct time? Oh, I think so. It's, um, five minutes of eight. Uh-huh. Just what I thought. This doggone watch is on the blink again. Just won't keep time. Well, what time do you have, dear? Seven of. <laughs> well, Jim, that's a difference of only two minutes. Only two minutes? Margaret, do you realize the things that have happened in two minutes? Wars have been won and lost. The entire course of civilization has been changed. I, uh... I better have it fixed. All right, dear. As a matter of fact, as long as I'm not doing anything right now, I might as well run down to the jewelers. And, uh, it might take some time. You know how fussy jewelers can be about a watch. So, uh... Maybe you'd better not wait up for me. Jim. Yes, dear? Christmas is over. The jewelers all close at 5.30. They do. <laughs> you mean, uh, all of them? Yes, dear. Oh. You ought to see the, the watch Joe Phillips got for Christmas, Dad. Boy, is that a watch. Shatterproof, shockproof, waterproof, heatproof, and it's guaranteed to last him a lifetime. But it won't. Why not? He lost it. <laughs> But instead of making bad jokes, why don't you go upstairs and do your homework? That wasn't a joke, Dad. You can say that again. <laughs> you mean the whole thing? But <laughs> Go upstairs and do your homework. Okay. You, uh, you wouldn't want to help me, would you? That's right. Yeah, I, I sort of figured you wouldn't. Well, I'll see you later. Margaret, uh... I think I'll go out for a little walk. Why, Jim, it's snowing. Well, there's nothing wrong with a little snow. Does a man good to get out in the snow once in a while. The air crisp and clear, the ground all white and peaceful. Jim Anderson, you're not going to tramp around in the snow at your age. I have enough to do without taking care of a sick husband. Uh... And stop pacing up and down the room like a caged lion. Father? Yes, Betty? I'll play checkers with you if you like. Thank you. But I'd rather see you doing your homework. Well, I don't have any homework. I finished it this afternoon. Well, go sew something. <laughs> or uh, read a book. And don't tell me you read a book. I'll spot you two kings. I don't need to be spotted two kings. And I don't want to play checkers. Um, Margaret. Yes, dear? Do you need anything at the drugstore? <laughs> No, dear, not a thing. We, uh, we're kind of low on toothpaste this morning. I got some this afternoon. <laughs> oh, you did. Uh, soap holding up all right? Just fine. Uh-huh. Say, I think I'll run out and get something to smoke. Yes, sir, that's just what I'll do. Jim. Yes, Margaret? I bought you a carton of cigarettes this afternoon, and there's a whole humidor full of pipe tobacco. I, uh, you know, it's a funny thing, but I just feel like smoking a cigar. <laughs> Jim, I didn't know you smoked cigars. Well, of course. After all, there's nothing like a good cigar. 
You know what Rudyard Kipling said, a woman is only a woman, but a good cigar is a smoke. Yeah, I'll get it. Uh, Jim, be careful. Oh! Oh! Who oh. oh, the dickens moved the lamp over to this side? Oh, Jim, how could you? Well, how do you expect me to keep track of where the lamps are if you keep moving them around all the time? Anyway, well, I'm sorry, Margaret. I was just... Betty, be a good girl and clean up this mess, will you? All right, Father. And don't worry about the lamp, Margaret. We'll get it fixed or something. Our good lamp. Just look at it. Sticks lamps right in your way when you're in a hurry. Naturally, they get knocked down. Hello? Uh, hello, Heck. What do you mean, am I still here? Of course not. I left for your house 20 minutes ago. <laughs> Heck, I'm doing everything I can. I can't do it, Heck. I can't just walk out. Because I can't, that's why. I am trying. Well, stop worrying about it. I'll figure something out. Okay. Uh, yeah, call me later. So long. Who was that, dear? Uh, it was Hector, honey. He uh, just uh, wanted to uh, talk to me. About what, dear? Is anything wrong? Oh, no. He uh, wanted me to come over there. He probably wants to talk to me about uh, uh, something. <laughs> like what, dear? Well, he, uh, it, uh, well, it's probably very complicated. <laughs> you, uh, you'd be surprised. I'll bet I would. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are you through with the newspaper, dear? Yeah, I think so. Well, I guess I'll sit down and read the paper. <laughs> That's a very good idea. Daddy. We're in the den, Kathy. Daddy, I just thought of something wonderful to save money. How much does water cost? Not very much, dear. Why? Well, it costs something to get it hot, doesn't it? So I thought if I only took one bath a week... Are you supposed to be taking a bath now? Uh-huh. Well, take it. <laughs> but you said we had to save money, and I thought if I only took... Kathy, go upstairs and take your bath. Gee whiz. You heard your father, Kathy. Now go ahead. First, they want to save money. Then they don't want to save money. Why don't they make up their minds? Say, did you see this in the paper? They're having a big meeting in the school auditorium. Tomorrow night. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's uh, tomorrow. Jim. Father, I put all the broken pieces on the service porch, but I don't think they can fix the lamp. It's a mess. Thank you, Benny. You're welcome. Were you going to say something, dear? Oh, no, no it's all right. Mother. Yes, Betty. Have you seen the records I borrowed from Janie? Well, no, dear, I haven't. Where did you leave them? Well, I put them over there on Father's chair. <gasps> Father, you're sitting on them. I am? Oh, I <laughs> thought it felt kind of funny. Oh, Father, how could you? $7.50 worth of South Pacific, and look at it. Well, they're, they're only cracked a little, Betty. <laughs> Hey, look at this one. Only the front part of it's broken off. You can still play the whole chorus, and that's all anybody listens to anyway. She'll never talk to me again, and I don't blame her. Oh, Betty, will you please stop that moaning and groaning? I'll buy Janie another album. And stop looking at me as though I went around beating little children. Yes, Father. Man tries to spend a quiet evening at home, and what happens? Lamps fall down, people stuff records under his cushions. Uh, I'll get it. Uh, Jim, please be careful. Margaret, I don't make a practice of knocking lamps down. Anybody listening to you would think I broke a lamp every day. Yes, dear, but 
Be careful just the same. Never liked a darn lamp anyway. Silliest looking lamp I ever saw in my life. Hello? Yes, I'm still here. Look, Heck, I told you in the very beginning I didn't think I could make it. Well, I did try. I tried everything but chloroform. <laughs> it won't do any good to call me back later. Why don't you just forget the whole thing? Jim! Just a minute, Heck. Uh, what is it, Margaret? Is that Hector again? Yes, dear, it's uh, uh, Hector. Well, Jim, if it's really that urgent, why don't you run over there? You, uh, you wouldn't mind? No, but... If they can't get anyone else, why don't you have them come over here for the game? The <laughs> uh, game. Over here? Well, there's no reason why they can't play poker here. Uh, there isn't? Of course not. Oh, well, uh... Say, heck, how about playing over here? It would, huh? Well, fine. Oh, of course not. Margaret won't mind at all. Okay, see you in a little while. Goodbye. Margaret. Yes, Jim? I, uh... Well, you see, I'd forgotten all about this date I had with the boys, and, uh... Well, I told them to get somebody in just else, Just a moment, but, dear. Uh, Bud! You want me, Mom? Yes, dear. I want you to go to the delicatessen. Okay, I'll be down in a minute. Why does he have to go to the delicatessen? Well, you'll be busy getting the card things ready, dear, and there isn't a thing in the house. We'll have to serve something. Well, it doesn't have to be anything elaborate. Oh, no, but we'll need a few slices of ham and some liverwurst and bologna and cheese, a few loaves of bread, potato chips, pickles. Why do we need pickles? <laughs> There's no sense in running hog wild just because a couple of men are coming over to play poker. I told you at dinner, Margaret, we've got to cut down on our expenses. All right, dear, no pickles. <laughs> After all, father knows best. Well, pickles or no pickles, I'm inclined to think it's mother knows best when it comes to shopping for the family groceries. Uh, take coffee, for instance. Mother knows that when she buys coffee, there's just one thing that means real value. It's the flavor you get for your money that really counts. And these days, she understands it's more important than ever to get the most flavor for every penny you spend. And that's just what you do get in our Maxwell House coffee you get a full measure of that wonderful Maxwell House flavor. Good to the last drop flavor no other coffee gives you. And that's why more people buy our Maxwell House than any other brand of coffee. So when you put out good money for coffee, be sure you get the most in value, in flavor and freshness. You always will when you open up a pound of Maxwell House, the coffee that's always good to the last drop. The lights are out in the white frame house on Maple Street. The children are asleep, the guests are gone. The last chip has been put away, and the poker game is a thing of the past. Jim. Oh, you're still awake, dear? Yes, I've just been lying here thinking. How did the game go? Fine, just fine. <laughs> 
I guess I showed that Hector Smith how poker should be played. Bluffed him right out of two of the biggest pots you ever saw. Jim. Yes, dear? You know, I've been wondering about this sudden wave of economy. There isn't anything wrong, is there? Oh, no. I... Well, it was those darn Christmas bills. They really got me down. <laughs> Tonight didn't help much, did it? I mean, we'll have to buy a new lamp and records for Janie. Well, it won't amount to much. No, I suppose not. Including the food and drinks, I figure that the quiet evening at home came to just thirty-two fifty. Thirty-six fifty. No, dear, thirty-two fifty. I can get a new lamp for. Oh. You mean you? I certainly did. Four dollars? And 22 cents. <laughs> Good night, Mark. Good night, dear. Instant Maxwell House means great coffee instantly in your cup. Here's real instant coffee. All pure Maxwell House coffee in instant form. Enjoy Instant Maxwell House instantly. Good to the very last you know what. Join us again next week when we'll be back with Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young as Jim Anderson with Roy Bargy and the Maxwell House Orchestra, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. Don't forget, membership cards for the Robert Young Good Drivers Club are waiting for you at your local NBC station. Get a man-to-man -man or dad-to-daughter pledge and sign up today. Be a good driver. Get your membership card in the Robert Young Good Drivers Club today. Now until next Thursday, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's favorite brand of coffee. Always good to the last drop. Father Knows Best was transcribed in Hollywood and written by Ed James. Now stay tuned in for Screen Guild Theater, which follows immediately over most of these stations. This next one is one that I love. Um, I think I say that about every one of them, don't I? Yes, you do. Um, I didn't say it too much about Easy Aces, but um, <laughs> they're not. That's uh, true. Uh, but but this one is called Baby Snooks, and it's uh, Baby Snooks is played by this lady named Fanny Bryce, and she plays this little bitty baby girl, and. Uh, uh, seems like she has a real name in there but but they always they end up just calling her baby snooks but it's real cute she does a lot of baby talk 
and um, the, the I've got two of them out here because they're like 15 minutes long and one is called Haunted House and the other one is called what's the other one? Baby Brother. Baby Brother. Good Lord you think I'd remember. Anyway, um, kick back. No, because I thought you were going to sit quietly and do that crossword puzzle. I'm stuck, Daddy. All right, what's sticking you? What's a five-letter word for slap? Smack. And a five-letter word for expand. Expand? Mm-hmm. How about swell? Will that fit? It's fine, Daddy. Smack and swell. Now, a three-letter word meaning in what manner? Let's see that puzzle. Yeah. Hmm. Begins with H. How? How? Yes. And 29 across is uh, scoff. Why? Because it says to ridicule. Mm-hmm. 32 down, devour. That's eat. 14 across duration. Well, that's easy. It's time. There you are. All done. I done it quick, didn't my daddy? You did. I gave you six words. What six words? Right there. Smack, swell, how, scoff, eat. Time. Say them fast, Daddy. Smacks well, house coffee time. <laughs> Ain't that wonderful? It's Maxwell House Coffee Time. No, it is. <laughs> Turn on that radio quick. All right, Daddy. It's a good thing I brought along this little portable radio, isn't it, Snooks? Why? Well, we can listen to the program while we're waiting for the train. Mm-hmm. I want to go home. Home? You drove me crazy to bring you with me. Now you want to go home. Where are we going, Daddy? I've told you 50 times. We're going to Uncle Camembert's house in the mountains. Is Uncle Camembert going to be there? No. The poor old cottage passed on. He's gone to a better world, I hope. When is he coming back? He's never coming back, Snooks. He's left this veil of tears for good. Oh. Shall we cry, Daddy? I don't think it's necessary. He was 92 when he died, and he lived a pretty full and eventful life. Did he leave his shoes? His shoes? I suppose so. <laughs> I want to see his shoes. What for? I heard you tell Mommy he was well healed. That has nothing to do with his shoes. And don't repeat everything you hear. Well, why are we going to his house? It happens to be my house now. Mm. He left it to me in his will. You said he was going to leave you a lot of money, Daddy. Well, I guessed wrong. Nobody got any of his money. Mm. In fact, they can't even find a trace of it. Maybe he didn't have any. Oh, he had plenty. There's a possibility that he stashed it away somewhere in this house. That's the main reason I'm going up there. Mm. Oh, hungry! Well, I'll buy you a sandwich mm. as soon as we get on the train. Oh, hungry! Now, don't start that! What's that, Daddy? It's a train whistle. I want one. Oh, don't be ridiculous. You can't have a train whistle. Why? Because you can't. Look across the tracks there. See the man working under the train? Is it our train? No, that's a milk train. Is he milking it? Yeah, he's milking it. I want some milk. <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you what. I have to go to the ticket office and find out if we can get a train back tonight. You go over to that telephone and call Dick Powell. Tell him we won't be at the studio. All right. What's the number? 
Hollywood 6161. Mm -hmm. Dial H, then O, then 6. Oh, uh, I'll get it, Dick. Hello? Hello. Is Mr. Powell there? Just a minute. It's for you, Dick. I think it's Snooks. Well, what about you want? <laughs> well, I'll kid her a little. Hello? This is the world's greatest singer talking. Excuse me, I got the wrong number. <laughs> Wait a minute. This is Dick Powell. What's the matter? We're at the railroad station and we're going to take a train. What for? talking about? Oh, my Uncle Camembert will be his house in the mountains. And we... Holy smoke, here's my train. I can't talk anymore, Dick. You'll hear from us later. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well, what's up, Dick? I don't know. Seems they're going to spend the night at his Uncle Camembert's house in the mountains. Hmm. Well, Snooks, here we are. Where's Uncle Camembert's house? Oh, it's about a quarter of a mile down the road. Pretty gloomy here, isn't it? have to stay at the house overnight. Why? Because there are no more trains until morning. Oh, I sure hate to walk to the house. I wish there was something. Hey, there's a man with a horse and buggy. Where? Coming down the road. Maybe he'll give us a lift. Hello there. Hello, Sally. <laughs> Can you give us a lift, brother? You bet. Fly on board, brother. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Is he your brother, Daddy? No. Come on, I'll help you get up on the wagon. Put the radio down gently. All right, Snooks. Put your foot in the spoke. What spoke? The wheel spoke. I didn't hear nothing. Oh, step on that wheel. Come on. Up there. Are you set, sister? I'm set, brother. Get up, Kelly! <laughs> We'll be there in a minute. Hey, where be you heading for? The old Higgins house. Oh, Sally. <laughs> Did you say the Higgins house? That's right. Old Camembert's place? Yes. Giddy up, Sally. <laughs> What's the matter, Daddy? I don't know. He gave us a very queer look. Mm. Uh, say, brother, I'm the uh, new owner of the house. Camembert was my uncle. Oh, Sally! <laughs> you say you own the house? Yes. My Get uncle. It! My uncle willed it to me. Oh, I'm sorry. Get up there. I didn't hear you. Excuse <laughs> me, Daddy. Uh, anything wrong with the house, neighbor? Ain't saying there is, and ain't saying there ain't. Oh. Well, there's no train back this evening, and we have to spend the night there. Eh? I say we have to spend the night there. wouldn't stay there if I was you. Why not? You believe in ghosts? Nonsense. Yep! <laughs> Shame to stunt the little girl's growth. Is there ghosts there, Daddy? No, he said ghosts. What's ghosts? Ghosts are supposed to be supernatural beings. 
spirit bodies of departed persons. It's a lot of twaddle. Is it? Why, certainly. You know, I heard a good joke about ghosts yesterday. Two ghosts were sitting on a bed when suddenly they heard a noise. <laughs> That's awful funny, Daddy. I'm not finished yet. Oh. Suddenly they heard a noise. And one ghost turned to the other and said, Do you believe in ghosts? Ha 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 Well, come on, folks. Don't forget the radio. I got it, Daddy. There we are. Thanks a lot, brother. Shame to stunt the little girl's growth. <laughs> yeah! Well, let's go in. Put the lights on, Daddy. In just a second. I'll light a match and find the switch. Hmm. No electricity here. What's that, Daddy? Just, just the wind. Oh. Blew the door shut. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of candles on that sideboard. Uh, you bring them over here. I want to go home. Don't be silly. As soon as I light these candles, you'll feel better. There. Let me hold one. Okay. We won't be able to see much tonight. Mm. Let's find the bedroom and go to sleep. Follow me. Daddy. What is it? <laughs> Uncle Louis here. Where? In that room. What are you talking about? Where's Uncle Louis? There he is, looking through the hole in the wall. Why, that's not Uncle Louis. That's a moose head. Oh. <laughs> Come on. Let's find the bedroom. This broken-down joint gives me the creeps. Don't let your candle go out. Why? Because I haven't got any more matches. Mm. Now, come on. Mm -hmm. Daddy! What is it? The wind blew my candle out. I told you to be careful. Not mine, too. <laughs> now, you haven't got a light at all. I'll just stand still a few seconds until your eyes become accustomed to the darkness. Stop poking me in the leg, Snooks. I'm way over here, Daddy. Oh? Oh. Well, it's just the corner of this table. Ah. Now stand where you are. I'll come and get you. Here, take my hand. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a door here. Well, follow me. Now, let me feel around a minute. Oh, here's a couch. Now, you lie down, Snooks. I'll cover you with my coat. Where are you going to sleep, Daddy? I'll rest on the floor. Now, try and go right to sleep. Good night. Good night. Daddy! Now, what is it? My toe hurts. Which toe? The youngest one. <laughs> it hurts me. What's the matter with it? It hurts every time I pinch it. Well, don't pinch it. Then how can I tell that it hurts? Oh, go to sleep. Come scared. Put the lights on. There aren't any lights here, and I have no matches. I'll just go to sleep. I'm here with you. Well, <laughs> put on the radio. No. Go to sleep. 
Sorry I ever came to this musty joint. Daddy. What do you want? Tell me a story. No. Tell me a, a ghost story. Hi. Yes. That'd be just the thing for a night like this. Then tell me about Jack and Naveen Stark. Oh, all right. I'll tell it quickly and no interruptions. Once upon a time, there was a little boy named Jack. He lived Jack with... Who? His... Just Jack. Yes, sir. He lived with his mother and they were very poor. But she was always good to him. And good she... to who, Daddy? Good to Jack. She was... Who his... was? His mother. Whose mother? Jack's mother! Uh... <laughs> <laughs> now, don't interrupt me anymore or I won't finish the story. No, I'll finish it, Daddy. All right. Uh... Uh, there was something with a cow, then something else, and then somehow he got some beans. Uh, for the cow, I think. The cow ate the beans? No. The beans ate the cow? Nobody ate anything. Why? Keep quiet. I like it better when we're talking, Daddy. Yes, yes, yes. I wish we had a light here. Yeah, wish we did. Anyhow, when Jack brought home the beans... His mother threw them out of the window. And in the morning, when Jack woke up, he saw... Snooks! Yes, Daddy? Okay. I just wanted to make sure you were all right. <laughs> what did Jack see, Daddy? Oh, a great big beanstalk. Beanstalk? He climbed up the beanstalk and found himself in a strange land. Pretty soon, he came to the castle of a giant. Giant? And, uh... uh I'll tell the, the rest of the story tomorrow morning. Mm, why? Well, because this part of the, the story about the giant is pretty scary. Mm -hmm. It might make you have unpleasant dreams. Well, finish your story. No. <laughs> All right. But if you get scared, don't blame me. So Jack broke into the giant's castle and found himself in a damn dark dungeon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the place was full of cobwebs and weird little animals and bats. <laughs> See, you're afraid. No, I ain't. I like it. <laughs> and why did you cry? I started to laugh, but I remembered my toys. Finish it, Daddy. All right. Well... Jack felt around the walls, and he was shaking from head to foot. Pretty soon, from out of the blackness, he heard a terrible sound. Thump, thump, thump. Cold sweat broke out on... Snooks! Huh? Did you hear anything when I said... Thump? <laughs> well, maybe, uh... Maybe you'd better turn on the radio. Are you scared, Daddy? I know. But we'll be able to listen to the last part of the Maxwell House coffee program. It'll be comforting. I want to go to sleep. Oh. Daddy, played by Hanley Stafford, has had a hard day at the office. He's trying to read his newspaper in the study, but Snooks has been constantly running in and out. Daddy's patience is rapidly becoming exhausted. Listen. Kit can't sit still a minute. I'm trying to rest in a boiler factory. Time to bring it, boy. 
Daddy. Oh, here she comes again. <laughs> Excuse me, Daddy. Snooks, you've been in and out of this room for ten times. Have I? Yes, and every time you come back, you cross between my feet and the chair they're resting on. I don't like it. Why? Because I don't like having to take my feet off. Can you take your feet off, Daddy? I mean off the chair. Why don't you walk around me? It's too easy. I thought so. Well, I'm warning you. Don't disturb me anymore. Understand? Understand. Oh, stop that singing. All right. Daddy. What is it? Who's London? London is the name of a city. Ain't it a man? No. Then why is it Bridges for him now? It's not Bridges. It's Bridge. London Bridge. Did you hear something? It's that kid of yours. <laughs> Robespierre. He's crying. I'll see what it is. Yeah! All he does is holler. Yeah! Snooks! What do you think? What? You can't imagine what's happened to little Robespierre. His nose dropped off. <laughs> no, he's got a tooth. His first tooth. Come and have a look at it. Who? Your little brother. I ain't got no little brother. You haven't got a little brother. No, I divorced him. I never heard of such nonsense. Snooks, I can't understand why you don't show any affection at all for little Robespierre. I don't like him. Well, why not? He hollers too much. Well, of course he cries a lot. But that's only his way of letting us know that he wants something. Why don't he ask for Snooks, you know as well as I do that infants can't talk. Why? Because nobody talks until he's at least a year old. That ain't what you said to Uncle Louie. What did I say to Uncle Louie? You said you cursed the day you was born. That has nothing to do with it. Come on and have a look at your brother's new tooth. No. Pull it out and bring it here. You little savage. You'll be sorry for treating your brother like this. Why? He's crying. I'm going in there. Are you coming? All right. But I want to take a quick look. Don't make too much noise. He's still half asleep. He stopped, Daddy. Yes. Shh. Look at that little angel. <laughs> what a beautiful complexion. Looks like a lobster. <laughs> well, he is a little red. His only baby's face is red. Oh, no. Sometimes grown people's faces get red. Yeah. Why? Oh, for various reasons. Mostly, a person's face turns red when he's ashamed. Oh. Daddy? Yes? Why does Uncle Louie only get ashamed in his nose? We won't discuss that now. Why? Shh. Maybe Robespierre will open his mouth. Then you can see his tooth. Stick a pin in him. I should say not. How can you think of hurting that little mind? He's so sweet and innocent. Snooks, take a good look at him. You know? You may be looking at a future president. I wonder what the fates have in store for him. Maybe he'll be a famous artist or a physician. I know he's going to make us all proud. You'll be happy to point him out as your brother. <laughs> look at that firm little chin. That well-shaped head. Ah, oh, what a child. Snooks. You're thinking, aren't you? Yes, Daddy. I thought so. 
What are you thinking about? How long is a snake's tail? Ah, you haven't got an ounce of sentiment in your body. Oh, look, look, Snows. Right there in front. See the tooth? Isn't it wonderful? What's wonderful about it? Well, it's his first tooth. Can he take it out? Oh, of course not. Nobody takes the teeth out. You always take... Never mind that. <laughs> My teeth have nothing to do with you. Why do you put them in a the glass? Snows! <laughs> now, I'll thank you not to bandy my teeth about. I'm not as young as I used to be, and these things happen. Why? Well, let me explain something to you. To begin with, whether you like it or not, in a very short time, all of your teeth will fall out. <laughs> I like it. Oh, you do? Yeah. I'll stick them in a pumpkin for Halloween. <laughs> very funny. All I'm trying to tell you is that your mouth is full of deciduous teeth. I don't taste nothing. Well, of course not. It just means you lose them. They're milk teeth. Can I milk them? No. And remember, sirs, when a tooth falls out, put it under your pillow. What for? Well, a brownie will come while you're asleep and turn the tooth into a dime. I want to put one out now. Oh, don't be silly. I'm just trying to impress on your mind that teeth are vitally important to your health. You know how many types of teeth there are? No. Well, there's the incisors, the canines, the bicuspids, the molars, and later on you'll get wisdom teeth. Wisdom teeth? Yes. When did you get yours? Mine came very late. As a matter of fact, I didn't get my wisdom teeth until uh, after I was married. Too late, huh? <laughs> it's not necessary to make those remarks. Young kids uncanny. Uh -huh. Nothing. Snooks! Don't try to loosen your teeth. I want to pull one out. Well, what for? I want the brownie to change it into a dime. Oh, your teeth are still too tight. You'll have to be patient. Oh. It's Ralph's P.S. Teeth looser than mine. Oh, I suppose so. Now, let's go back to the study. You go, Daddy. I want to stay here a while. Snooks. What have you got in your mind? Nothing. Are you thinking of tampering with the baby's tooth? Who, me? Now, don't put on that innocent face. Were you actually going to... to... Oh, I can't say it. I'm going to say it, Danny. Pull a baby's tooth. No, you weren't. <laughs> Does he eat me? No. Well, get the idea. I think I do. Uh, Snooks, step outside with me. You, uh, realize what terrible thoughts you've been harboring? Uh-huh. Is there anything you'd care to say in your defense? No. Shall I turn over? There's no alternative. Ain't it awful? Oh, here we go again. And last but not least, folks, here comes the strawberries and whipped cream on top of my afternoon Sunday. And for this, I picked the Andrew Sisters. 
and it was the first show that they did and it stars Gabby Hayes and Bing Crosby. I enjoyed it. It was a good show, so y'all enjoy it. by trade, but at present I'm holed up on the Andrews Sisters' dude ranch. I've been working with the kids for years, but not until their Uncle Pete willed them this big ranch did I ever get this far out in the country. Let me tell you what happened the first day, as we arrived at the little water stop station. Well, kids, here we are, the wide-open spaces, and look at all the fresh air. Gosh, just makes you want to breathe all the time. Hey, look at the scenery. What a honey of a backdrop this would make for a theater. Well, I'll be a ring-tailed, horn-toed if you three gals ain't the Andrews sisters. And I'll be a killer doer from Amarillo if you ain't our ranch foreman, Gabby Hayes. You're darn tootin' I am. Drug in from the ranch, fetch you gals. It's good to know you, Gabby. I'm Maxine. And I'm Patty. I'm Laverne. Well, now, I'm mighty proud to pump your paws. <laughs> But, Sharks, I know which was which the minute I sot my eyes on you. Got your pictures all over my bunk, especially Miss Patty's. <laughs> She's my pinup gal. Well, Gabby, where's our car? Let's get going. Buggy's right there, Miss Maxine. You mean we have to ride in a buggy? Why, Miss Patty, that's one of the finest surreys in these parts. Hmm, looks more like the surrey that the fringe fell off. <laughs> Well, I suppose you know what your Uncle Pete left you. Why, no. What did Uncle Pete leave? A 
cactus plant and a mortgage. He got stuck on both of them. Oh, wait till the dude ranch gets going. It'll pay for itself. Come on, Gabby, make this buggy move. Yeah, this thing's slower than a Tunerville trolley. With my high starch collar and my high top shoes and my hair piled high up on my head. I went to lose the jolly hour on the trolley and I lost my heart instead. With his light brown derby and his bright green tie, he was quite the handsomest of men. I started to yes, so I counted to ten, then I counted to ten again. into dude ranching. And then the fun began. Marvin, have you seen Gabby around? Well, he was over at the cook shack about an hour ago helping to get things ready for our New Year's party tonight. Look, if Gabby doesn't leave that cook alone and quit fussing at him, he's going to get his beard clipped with a meat cleaver. And Gabby has such a pretty beard. Oh, Gabby doesn't mean any harm. If he wasn't fussing at someone, why, he wouldn't be happy. I'm going to fire that dad blasted cook if it's all that of my natural life. That's what I'm going to do. I am. Well, what's Elmo done now, Gabby? What's he done? Why, he's been reading the franchise to much rock. Hog meat, they're grunting in their sleep. Yet so every time they turn over in their beds, they want to sing, Oh, would you rather be a pig? <laughs> Oh, Gabby, you're stretching the truth. Oh, I ain't another. Oh, oh, Miss Patty, here's a telegram come in a while ago. Oh, boy, maybe it's our first reservation for the ranch. Hey, kids, it's something Crosby. He's coming here. We'll read it quick so we can all shout. We'll arrive at your ranch Sunday, December 31st. Clear out a crib in the warm end of the barn. I'm going to hibernate for a spell. Sign Bing. December 31st? 
Why, that's today. Oh, Gabby, isn't it wonderful? Yeah, I'm just real pink. <laughs> you know, Gabby, things coming here will sure get our ranch to off to a good start. I can't see why the whole ranch has to get in an uproar over a buzzard what's got gravel in his gizzard. Why, Gabby, I believe you're jealous of things. Me? Jealousy him? Why, he ain't nothing but a hog collar that got lucky. <laughs> oh, I just can't wait to hear him sing. Yeah. His voice sounds to me like a rusty gate hinge. Yeah. yeah. Gabby, Bing's voice is a toast to the country. Toast to the country? <laughs> Needs scraping. <laughs> Why, when the cattle around here hear him sing, they're going to raise the biggest beep in history. Besides, where's he going to sleep? Well, well, Gabby, I thought maybe he could share your bunk. Well, I'd sooner sleep with a centipede. <laughs> he likes horses to turn much. Let him sleep in the stable. Oh, now you're just trying to be funny. Well, on second thought, maybe he better not. You know, them horses mighty smart. They might stomp him to death. If you say another word against Bing, I'm going back to the ranch house. Oh, all right. Oh, Miss Patty. Yes? Suppose you and me talk about me and you. Huh? <laughs> you and me? That's what I said. Me and you. Yes. Oh, shucks, Miss Patty. I'm going to come right out with it. I think you're as fine a little filly as ever I sought eyes on. And your skin? Your skin is as soft as a young calf's ear. Why, Gabby, you're nice to say things like that. Well, I mean them. You're just as pretty as a picture. Nice frame, too. <laughs> Miss Patty. Yes, Gabby. Look at them two cows over there rubbing noses. Don't that make you want to do the same thing? <laughs> does it make you want to do the same thing? Hot ziggity, it sure does. Then go ahead, it's your cow. <laughs> oh, shucks, Miss Patty. Say, how about singing that song you was crooning to Marvin last night? All right, Gabby. Blame all of your charms 
sand in his crawl. <laughs> oh, if Bing would come through that door right now, I'd grab him around the neck and give him a big kiss. Well, fuck her up and brand me, my little Palomino filly. <laughs> oh, Bing, welcome to the eighth of the bar ranch. Thanks, young uns. My, but you kids are looking as chipper as a coop full of catbirds. Nonsense. Say, uh, what time do you have to get that beard back to Monty Woolley there? <laughs> well, Bing, this is our foreman, Gabby Hayes. Hi, Gabby. Hi, Flabby. <laughs> There's an old hope I've got here. Hope. <laughs> You're going to slip me some skin, ain't you? I'll slip you some skin. <laughs> I'll skin you up so your folks won't know you from a fresh hide. <laughs> Come on now, tighten your cinch there, Shaggy. Your saddles are slipping. Oh, don't mind, Gabby Bing. Say, we'd like some attention, too. Well, why not? Patty, you're so petite. You're like a bantam hen with a brood of baby chicks. Oh, Bing. And you, Maxine, you're still cute as a kitten. Oh, Bing. And Laverne, you're looking fit as a plow mule. Oh, oh, Bing. Yeah. <laughs> City feller putting on airs. Careful there, Pops. Your grand's grabbing the brand and iron by the hot end. Crasby, you got too much spread. I'm going to clip your horn. Gabby, you behave. Mr. Crosby is our guest. See, just think, kids. He's right here on our ranch. Crosby the singer. That's me. Crosby the actor. That's me. And Crosby the millionaire. That's my brother Everett. <laughs> make up your mind to pay us a visit? Well, I came for my health. Or get away from Hope. <laughs> Gee, we'd like to have Bob Hope come here, up here, too. But we just don't have any place for him to sleep. Or maybe he could sleep in a Calvinator. Can't think, can't think of a better place for an old ham. <laughs> Upper shelf, right in there. <laughs> no kidding, Bing. What was your real reason for coming up? Well, they locked the door at Santa Anita, so I became a homeless lad. <laughs> Tell us, Cross, did you ever have a horse that ran a good race? The rest of this conversation will be conducted in a whisper. <laughs> well, what do you know? A talking mop. <laughs> Gabby, please don't insult Mr. Crosby. Say, so you got any good horses to sail, gals? Eh, what do you know about good horses? <laughs> Nags of yours are slower than a snail climbing a slick log. Well, what do you know about horses, uh, Hedgehead? <laughs> me, not brains? <laughs> me, me that pals with Roy Rogers? 
boy. I, I lived with Trigger. Makes a good parlay. Why, <laughs> oh, that burned tenderfoot trying to talk to me about horses. Why, that tamest horse on this ranch would throw you so high, the birds will build a nest in your hair before you light. Be pretty drafty up there. <laughs> Gabby, you couldn't ride anything wilder than a wheelchair. Why, you oh, dad bless you. Give me room, gals. Give me room here. I'll turn you every way but loose. Oh, give me land, lots of land, under starry skies above. Don't send me in. Ride to the wide open country that I love. Don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. And listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me off forever, but I ask you please. Don't fence me in. Just turn me Uh, that's a discouraging word. <laughs> now, look, 
boys, you're going to have to quit fussing with each other. It's New Year's Eve, and we have a big party to look forward to. So please, let's be friendly. All right, Patty, I agree. Gabby, old man, let's call off the dogs. I've only been fooling. Truthfully, Gabby, I, I admire you a lot. Well, now, that's right, nice of you, Bing. Tell you the truth, I've always admired you a lot. In spite of your singing. <laughs> hey, hey, everybody, we just got an important message from the government. Well, come on, let's tell all our neighbors. Well, it's about the merchant marine. Listen, they need 43,000 experienced seamen during the next 12 months. The need is especially urgent for experienced mates, engineers of all classes, able-bodied seamen, firemen, oilers, water tenders, radio telegraphers, cooks, and bakers. And they'll take the last three, that's radio telegraphers, cooks, and bakers, without previous sea experience. If we're going to keep our armies supplied and our casualties down, we've got to fill the merchant marine quarter. Wherever possible, let every experienced merchant seaman who is now working on land... Return to the sea. See, Bing, I'd like to hear you make a speech. Well, then gather around, kids, because i got a sermon right here. Stand by. Love you, I love you, too, friend. you got to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, latch on. To the affirmative, don't mess with Mr. In-Between. You've got to spread joy up to the maximum. Bring glue down to the minimum. Have faith or pandemonium liable to walk upon the scene. To illustrate his last remark, Jonah in the well, Noah in the ark. What did they do? Just when everything looks so dark. Man, they said we better accent. You ate the positive. Elim, minus the negative. Latch on to the affirmative. Don't mess with Mr. In-Between. No, do not mess with Mr. In-Between. Gather round me, children, if you're willing, and sit tight while I start reviewing the attitude of doing right.
Well, folks, it's New Year's Eve. Out here on the 8th of the Bar Ranch, we're all gathered before a huge fireplace. We're going to listen to the writers of the Purple Sage sing one of the most beautiful songs ever written about the West.
sister show sponsored by Nash Kelvinator, peacetime manufacturers of Nash motor cars, Kelvinator and Leonard Home Appliances, now devoted 100% to war production, came to you from Hollywood. Bing Crosby appeared through the courtesy of the Kraft Music Hall, Gabby Hayes by courtesy of Republic Pictures. The song Don't Fence Me In is from Warner Brothers' new picture Hollywood Canteen with an all-star cast, including our own Andrew sisters. Accentuate the positive is from Bing's new Paramount release, Here Come the Waves. This is Marvin Miller speaking. This is the Two o'clock at KECA, Los Angeles. Well, I hope y'all had as much fun as I have had today. And uh, because it's always such a pleasure for me to put together these shows for you. And um, Victor and I have fun putting it together. So um, at least I think he does. Don't you? I do. Oh, okay. He do. <laughs> but anyway, um, as I said, remember to... Um, Leave us comments um, and let us know of anything that you want to hear. And because if whatever it is, I'll find it. It's out there. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, you guys have a good week. And um, if you didn't get to see the show live today, remember it's on uh, any of the podcasts. And um, I think you can go back and catch it not live on Facebook too in the watch section of Facebook oh okay I wonder what that watch section is for (laughs) (laughs) but anyway y'all have a grandiose week because I know I intend to (laughs) see you next Sunday bye bye everybody